When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It is just gone 7 o'clock here on SNZ Radio and welcome to Race Control with Stephen McIver and Murph. We are in your house, wherever that house may be and what a night we have for you tonight. Murph, how are you buddy boy? I was good until um, I could see you through the video uh, there getting up and dancing and playing air guitar. Mate, there's nothing. There's uh, nothing. The, there's the intro no- music, mate. <laughs> there's nothing. You're in food. No- mate, there's nothing like good 80s glam rock. Motley Crue, this right? This is true. Kickstart this your heart, true. baby. We're kicking starting with Race Control, episode number two nationwide, wherever Energy. you are. 0800 150 811 or text us on double eight double three. Okay, tonight, this is what we've got in store for you. Avalon Biddle shortly on the latest Superbike race. What's happening in MotoGP? They've been testing. Aaron Slide, good mate of yours, because you know yep. how to ride a bike or two. Well, uh, dig a little deep, Murph, won't we, on the changes he's seen to Superbikes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm actually, after reading the report around Remy Gardner getting on the KTM testing for the first time the Superbike, uh, sorry, the MotoGP bike that he'll be riding next year, uh, I want to sort of ask Aaron also what it was like for him getting on a Superbike for the first time, a world Superbike as well. All right, NASCAR, of course, we've got lots to talk about there. Oh, we have lots to talk about there. Some good old Biff and Barge in the last round. After eight, Kiwi youngster Matthew Payne. Now, this is a kid, are we, are we suggesting Matthew Payne's going to be in supercars next year for Kelly Grove Race? I don't know if we're suggesting it. Okay, is he going to be? Well, I don't know. Actually, we'll ask him. We'll ask him straight up tonight, which is uh, he's doing amazing things in, in Porsche Carrera Cup and is uh, hot property at the moment in Australia. Let's say that. Uh, you had a good chat, I think it was yesterday, with uh, one very talented individual, Lee Diffie, who's the yep. IndyCar commentator for NBC. We hear him around the world. Uh, what can you reveal before we play the interview about 8.17 tonight? Oh, I think... Um, you know, for seeing him or talking to him and listening to him uh, so immersed in the game and the sport, as close to all the action as what he is, it's just those insights and those really interesting um, sort of things that I suppose when you're up close and personal like those guys are, just what they see and what they understand. I mean, his his ability to explain and talk about motorsport, uh, motorbikes, a full range of motorsport is phenomenal because he is a, an enthusiast, but he's also a brilliant commentator. So, you know, it's, it's a great interview. Let us not forget, of course... Brake or accelerate? So this is the question for you tonight. It's basically our way of saying yes or no. The question tonight is this. Is IndyCar more entertaining than NASCAR? So if you like it, you accelerate. And if you dislike it, you do this. You hit the brakes. All right, so Murph, when we think about this one, uh, is IndyCar, in your view, and I know you're probably a bit torn here. Yeah. Is, Indy, yeah. is IndyCar more entertaining than NASCAR? 
Uh, I have to say yes because I am I am a much bigger fan of IndyCar and and you know I've got closer connections to it, right? So it's a little bit of bias. So a little bit of bias. So you accelerate for me on on that one. But I have been a and talking a lot lately about NASCAR because it has actually grabbed me and, and has got my attention. It really, really is. It's uh, they are doing incredible things with NASCAR at the moment, and it is uh, full on. And we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Okay. So, but what has grabbed your attention about NASCAR at the moment? Um, listen, and I talked to Lee Diffie about this. He'll mention it as well. I think um, uh, it's actually a bit of the Kyle Larson factor. So you know. Uh, he is just doing amazing things, and I think he is a superstar and and um, a real champion. Okay, so I saw you posting some stuff today, and I wanted to be sick, happily sick, because you were out on the snow today mm. on, what were they, uh, four, what are they, what do you call those things you're in? Well, we were on um, snowmobiles, and we were on side-by-sides with uh, side by snow tracks. tracks. Now, that snow looks tracks. so cool. Yeah, and we were also uh, riding dirt bikes that have been converted with tracks and skis as well. Timber sleds, they're called. So, yeah, I, um, yes, I had a good day. Let's yeah, just well, say. Did you, well, I can actually see you on the video link. You've had a fade. you got a new haircut. you got a bit of a fade going on, pal. No, I've been wearing a hat. <laughs> All right, look, All we're, we're having yeah. some trouble catching, getting Avalon, but let's let's talk about uh, Catalunya, the last round of World Superbike, shall we? Because yep. this is an interesting one. We know this competition is between uh, Top Rack uh, Ratzad Gioglu and Jonathan Ray, and that's the important mm. thing. You, by the way, uh, Sanjay, I've just had a message from uh, Avalon. You can call her now. And it's really interesting that Ray is struggling big time with grip on that Kawasaki this year, not just in that round, but other rounds as well. He's he's really having to work that bike. Yeah, well, you know, proving he's um, not superhuman after all, maybe, um, although I think he still is after winning as many championships as what he has. It, 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 it's, it was a new bike at the start of the year, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I remember talking to Avalon about that on um, Sky Speed, about uh, a new bike, and, and it, it had tested pretty good, and he straight out of the gate um, has, has obviously been pretty good. He's one point behind. He won. He did win, remember, uh, the first uh, two races of the season, or race one and also the Super Bowl race, mm. and finished second to um, Scott Reading in race two right at the beginning of the season. So it was a good start, but it's been up and down. But he's, he, his consistency has been very, very strong. He's getting but old. Top he's, rack. Top, he's, getting, oh. he's getting old. You reckon? Yeah, it's like you. You it's know, harsh. your consistency fell it's off and you got a bit older. He's still only one point behind Top Rack, who's uh, leading the point standing with um, how many rounds left? A few rounds left. Oh, a few rounds. Hey, uh, Avalon's joined us. She's decided to join us. About hey, Ev, belated happy birthday, girl. What was it? Uh, what day are we today? Thursday. 19. So Tuesday. Was it Tuesday you were having her birthday? Yeah, it sure was. Uh, <laughs> Thanks okay. very much. Well, happy birthday. I'd, I'd sing happy birthday to you, but I won't. Um, we're not going to go down the age path, but Murph suggested you looked. You look 19, so you'll take that, won't you? Oh, thank you. Yep, yep, definitely. I take even twenty-one these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Murph would take forty if he was lucky. Hey, um, let's 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 <laughs> let's talk about Catalonia. I've just been mentioning to Murph. Uh, uh, well, no, it's fair. I've got to get no, it before from, you get from in Avalon. Avalon. <laughs> hey, uh, the the grip issues with Jonathan Ray. He, it's not just Catalonia. He's had a few of that all year, right? Yeah, it's been really interesting, actually. He's had a bit of grip issues. And, like, at Catalonia, it seems like it was the rear end really giving him trouble. You know, he just lost grip and just couldn't drive off the turns. But at some other races in the Czech Republic, for example, it looks like a front-end issue. So, yeah, really interesting to see. And makes me wonder if he's just being pushed to the absolute limit this year or 
if, yeah, the, the differing conditions may be slightly cooler this year. They haven't had a huge amount of really, really hot races. Um, is not playing into their favour so much. I'm not 100% think, sure. Yeah, but he is being pushed, isn't he? I mean, uh, Top Rack is, is on the money. Scott Redding has been proven to be um, a little bit less consistent, but, but still very fast in some, at some races. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to go back and re- recall the last few seasons, but don't you feel that, uh, to me, it seems like he is under a lot more pressure? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we'd all agree you you wouldn't want Top Rack right behind you in any race, would you? <laughs> He's just no. one of those racers who is always going to give it a go. And I think we all know someone like that. And um, it does, it really pushes you to the limit because um, they're just relentless and and in that pursuit of, of victory. So, yeah, he is definitely being pushed, in particular by top rack. Reading, as you say, he's, he's a bit hot and cold, isn't he? Yeah, hey, Am, I want to talk about the fact that the, the Ducatis, which had a huge weekend with Reddy and Ren- Reading and Ronaldo, why no one else thought their bikes would perform as well on hard tyres? Because they went for the, the hard option, right? Yeah, I, yeah, interesting, interesting. I think Ducatis generally do... Um, go quite well on hard tyres with that much torque that they've got they like they just tear a soft tyre really really quickly so um, if it's not hot enough for them to run soft tyres they're always going to go for that harder option and I think you know it was pretty rainy at Barcelona they definitely didn't have the best weather so um, with those cooler temperatures I think um, the hard tyre just worked perfectly for Ducati and yeah really played into their hands Huge amount of development going on there. I think um, they've got a really strong contingent of riders who are who are really pushing that bike and getting the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's just it is great to see other people up there winning and um, and putting the challenge to you know to to Jonathan. I'm sure he's not enjoying it as much. But hey, a couple of uh, big crashes as well um, and some injuries. Davies and uh, Sykes is you know a couple of serious ones there. Races being stopped. Not good. Yeah, I've kept a close eye on that all week. Sykes uh, definitely didn't look good at all, transported to the hospital unconscious. Um, unfortunately struck by Lucas Mahia. So Mahia seems mm. to be involved in just about every accident this year, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh. And uh, you can see pretty clearly when Mahia came in, he was saying to his team, I hit him in the head, like I, I, I ran out, I had nowhere to go. Um, but it looks like Sykes is doing, a, doing well. Um, obviously a pretty major concussion, but... Uh, looks like he's doing okay. Yeah, obviously, probably not back in action this weekend in Jerez. And I see Loris Baz, uh, who's been racing in America, is um, coming in to replace Chaz Davies. So uh, that's pretty cool, pretty cool opportunity for him to to come have a wild card appearance. Yeah, Chaz Davies with the broken rib, so he won't be at Jerez, which is, in uh, I think, in the next round is October. Four rounds to go, but MotoGP again. Uh, Dukes, Big Night, Quattararo, Bastianini, and Marquez fourth. Uh, Quattararo leads the championship, 234, Bagnaia, 186, Juan Mir, 167. You know, uh, this is an interesting one for me. I mean, we know, we know, um, uh, what's his name, Valentino, Rossi is going. <laughs> yeah, I know. So so quickly you forget. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, He's gone already. Oh, he's gone already. Uh, well, he that, has gone, actually. But, but Quattararo <laughs> hasn't had, the, the numbers look dominant, but he hasn't been totally dominant all season. No, absolutely not. He has been really pushed. Um, and how cool is it to see those young riders pushing him? Jorge Martinez is uh, definitely a standout for me. It, um, 
you just, man, to, for your rookie years in MotoGP and to be pushing that hard, unfortunately he went down in Mizano and it was Inea Bastianini who was uh, on the podium, which was really cool. We know our fellow Kiwi commentator Simon Crafer there in MotoGP is a huge Bastianini fan because he's on an older bike. Uh, it's the, that Simon bike, it's two years old. pumping up his tyres, so. It's it's two years old. How how's he making a bike that yeah. was was you know known for understeering and having lots of front end issues? It didn't look like it, he was having any of those troubles on the weekend. It was it was just phenomenal. I mean, it was it was one of those moments, wasn't it? The commentators were just blown away, just couldn't stop raving, and and rightly so. It was just a a, a wonderful moment in motorsport of motorcycling to see someone doing something unexpected like that. Yeah, absolutely. In, in particular, an Italian, an Italian race as well. Uh, couldn't couldn't have been any better for him. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's really known to be not a competitive bike, and um, probably fortunately for him, being a rookie, he doesn't know any different. So he is just absolutely riding the wheels off that machine. And yeah, he he's one of the many guys who are pushing. Quattararo um, all the way. So I, I'm interested if Quattararo is able to. Hang in there. I think he's got enough of a points advantage that he's going to. But, you know, we've seen him crumble in the past a little bit. Um, So, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed for him that he can hang in there right to the end. How good do you think Remy Gardner is? He's had his first blast on the uh, KTM MotoGP and has basically been blown away by how quick they are. But, you know, we know Dad was was pretty handy, Wayne. But what do you think, from what you've seen of this kid in in 2 and 3, Moto 2 and 3, is he championship material down the path? Yeah, he has really, really surprised me. Um, I'm definitely becoming a fan. And I can tell you, I honestly wasn't. Um, when I was racing in Europe and, you know, went to a few MotoGP races, hung out in the paddock there, and <laughs> Remy was, like, really young and, and really ragged and um, probably didn't handle himself like a professional motorbike race that would be <laughs> a fair way to put it. But, man, he has really come good these last couple of years. He's riding absolutely amazingly. And, yeah, it looks like he had a really successful test um, there on the MotoGP bike. So, yeah, I think he is the real deal. He's hung in there in Europe for so long uh, through so many ups and downs that I do really think he now deserves that chance in MotoGP. And it's awesome to see it coming and playing off for him. He's um, pretty um, into his cars as well. So if you follow him on social media, he's doing some pretty cool builds. Um, which is is pretty cool to see. It's oh, not often okay. you see. Uh, I, better, I better start following him on social media. Like I wasn't aw- I wasn't aware of of that that he was into cars. I wonder when he's got time to do that. Riding. Uh, you are so big on social Moto media, too. and you're all over social media yeah. like a wet rag. No, I'm not. Yes, no, you are. Why well, don't you have someone help you? Someone does your social <laughs> media, right? Of course they do. I don't know how to do it. Oh, it's too hard. Matt, do you, you sound like a fossil, I'm the wrong man. generation, mate, Stephen. Mate, I'm a little tiny bit older than you, but even I can handle a social media. Hey, uh, got to keep moving. Thanks, as always. I, you got back out of the bike at the weekend, and you're on your, on your quacker. Uh, body, body healed, has it, from all this, the rigors of riding a bike around a circuit? Yeah, it's here just enough to go racing again this weekend, so <laughs> I'll <laughs> well, give it another crack. And, awesome. Uh, Look yeah. after yourself, eh? Uh, we haven't seen the invitation awesome. in the mail, by the way, for the wedding. Just asking again. <laughs> I'm starting to get the hints. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take it easy, mate. Thanks, Ev. You too. Cheers, guys. You know, I don't think we're actually ever going to get an invitation to that uh, wedding, Murph. You're going to have to move on. Oh, you are going to have to move on. Why? Yeah. Why? Don't, just, you, yeah. don't you want to go to the movie? 
Uh, the, the wedding? The movie. No, I want to go to the movie. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather go to the movie. <laughs> All right, you are listening to Race Control. This is SENZ. Uh, the number to call if you want to talk about anything that we're Come on, yak- talk talking to about. Us. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. It's 7.15. We continue our two-wheel talk in a moment with a bit of a rock star on two wheels. Superbike Aaron Slide is next here on SENZ. 7.19 on a Thursday, episode number two of Race Control Around New Zealand, wherever you are. The number is 0800 150 Our question tonight for Brake or Accelerate, is IndyCar more entertaining than NASCAR? Is IndyCar more entertaining than NASCAR? Well, man, one, man, one man that's actually driven four wheels, though he's better on two, is a superbiker from 1988 to 2000. Aaron Slight joins us now. Slightly nice of you to join us. What do you prefer, IndyCar or NASCAR? Um, I don't know, really. I think um, they're both both pretty good at the moment, but my favourite, of course, was MotoGP. Oh, well, that wasn't part of the question. <laughs> that's, that's like birth, isn't it? Sitting on the fence again. Oh, very good. Thanks very much. I invited you on the show, and that's how it, it begins. That's very good. Good shot. Hey, um, mate, um, Superbikes, how, how, how much do you keep a focus on it these days you know after all those years of competing in it is it something that you push to one side or you still got a pretty good interest in it um i always watch it but i don't sort of read about it you know so i'm not into the backstories can't be bothered with that but like to watch the races um i don't know why they've got three races now because it just bugs me that there's another race to watch i mean it's interesting enough but you don't need three races um you know i, I like the short the short format's pretty cool but yeah, the whole thing behind Superbikes was that you did 100Ks two times a day, and so you were buggered, and that was the, the big thing. But now you have one you know, one race on a Saturday and then a short one and a long one on a, on a Sunday, so it doesn't seem as hard, really. You know, when I looked at your numbers, uh, they're incredible. You know, so you raced between 88 and 2000. You were second twice in the championship, third four times in the championship, 229 race starts, 13 wins, 87 podiums, and eight pole positions. Does it bug you you never won the championship? Ah, uh, no. I mean, I'm just a kid from Aston and, and got to do a, a you know, travel the world and then had fun doing it and you know I, I could never imagine that I, I could have got so far really um yeah you know, I suppose deep down you know I would have wished I had won the championship and you know the both times that I lost the championship um you know I was only beaten by a big red bike and that's what pisses me off more is not that I didn't win the championship but the other guys were on a bigger bike and um yeah that's probably more that rubs me up the wrong way those were the those were the days. Yes, I very much remember. It was always you know the the Ducatis and their uh, V twin and and uh, you know oh, I remember the arguments and the fights and, and all the stuff about that. It was pretty entertaining. I mean, it's it's uh, still an interesting space that we're dealing with now with superbikes, isn't it? Um, you know, Jonathan Ray's dominance though has been masterful, really, hasn't? It? I mean, what he's managed to achieve and go up against and and fight for such a long period of time and have such success is. It's pretty notable. He's he's pretty impressive, right? Oh, he is, and, and that's a, the, a bit of the, the probably the bad thing about it is, is people have just started to say that you know he's got an advantage and all this sort of stuff, and um, they, they haven't given the credit the, where the credit's due. Really, um, you know, he stepped onto that bike where Sykes was riding it, you know, and, and now he's um, you know he's got a good teammate now, and you know he just he just whips them, and you know, the mm. typical super bike that now cut the rules. For the guy winning, like his RPM's been chopped a little bit on the, on the Kawasaki, so it's making it really close 
Um, but I'm really enjoying Top Rack. I mean, watching him ride that Yamaha. I mean, the Yamaha is, I don't, doesn't matter what bike, um, you know, if it's MotoGP or a super bike, they always steer really well. They just, just steer like they're on rails, you know, and, and they can put them anywhere, and you can see that with Top Rack. He's just, it's just awesome to watch. Hey, uh, Aaron, before we got into this lockdown situation, which we've been for in a damn two years, have you ridden a, what I would consider, and don't take this the wrong way, a modern superbike? Because I'd love to know the differences from what you were riding as opposed to what they're hooning around on now. Um, no, I haven't actually. Um, I haven't ridden one for a few years now. Um, our bikes in the in the nineties were probably more, um, yeah, they're, they're more standard these days. Like they've got to have standard um, gearboxes, they've got to have standard cranks. Um, so they're not as modified as what they used to be. Um, like our bike, um, you know, our Honda back in the day, the only thing that was standard on it was the chassis, and then the chassis could be uh, strengthened from there. So, uh, and the, you know, the, the cases of the engine are the, are the same and their capacity is the same, but yeah, every other bolt on it was um, you know, like a MotoGP bike. These days uh, are a lot more standard, um, and that's trying to keep costs down. Um, you know, they do all these cost-cutting things, and I don't know if they actually work, like with the, the superbikes now, they only have one bike. Um, per team, but they've got enough spares to make another one, and it just just it actually makes it harder. You know, you go and throw your bike down the road, and you can't get it back up the track, and you are penalised. But so is the crowd. The crowd don't get to see you ride, so um, I don't think that's a good rule. Um, but you know, I haven't haven't done it, um, haven't ridden one. Uh, but the, the comparison is that they are thousands now compared to my 750, and like Phillip Island, Phillip Island, there's probably only still only two seconds in it. Um, you know, that's 20 years ago. So it's, it's you know, everything moves on. But because you're at the, the very fine end, it only moves on by, you know, points of seconds, not seconds. Well, that was actually a question I was going to ask. What uh, what lap times you what you guys were doing at Phillip Island back in the day versus what they are now? So what do you think you were doing back then? Yeah, uh, Low I, I think I qualified at, uh, qualified at a 31.8, I think it was, on the 7.50. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And I think they they just get into the twenty nines now. Yeah, um, and the MotoGP bikes, but yeah, MotoGP bikes just a little, another second faster. Yeah, no, that's, mm. yeah, all that time and um, a whole lot more aids now. Yeah, they're, they're a thousand cc, um, and you know, so that two hundred and forty horsepower where we were sort of one ninety horsepower, um, and you know, the tyre technology has moved along. But so it's actually tyre technology has moved along sort of slowly because. Yeah, people don't understand either. When you have a one-make series, that means the manufacturer doesn't have to really concentrate on what he's doing with his tyres. They just have to last the race. Um, when we were riding Michelin's and someone was riding Dunlop's and someone was on Bridgestone's, there was a tyre competition going on. So um, that you'd have to have the, you know, the best tyre. Uh, but you, know, you go to a track and everybody's on the same stuff. If they all wear out with 10 laps to go, they all wear out with 10 laps to go. It doesn't really matter as long as they stay together. Yeah, uh, that's good stuff. Hey, um, Remy Gardner, we're just uh, talking to Avalon before about uh, he had his first uh, test on a MotoGP bike uh, this week at Barcelona, um, and he said it was absolutely mind-blowing, blew his mind. What was it like, can you remember, the first time you actually got on a World Superbike, you know, and what that experience was and compared to what you had before? Um, it was probably when I joined um, Team Kawasaki Australia, and, and um, I got on Robbie Phyllis's old GPX 715, and it was that was good. It was um, you know, but it wasn't the, the latest stuff. And then I signed a deal with Kawasaki, and then we had a full factory bike. We started testing over the summer, and um, that was yeah, pretty cool then to uh, jump on something that was you know could run at the front. 
Um, you know, you could wheel spin it with a throttle. Um, nothing like I had nothing like that before that. You know, so you can actually steer it with a throttle. Um, so that was pretty cool. And you know, just having the other thing that was amazing was you know that we tested it. Oran Park and Eastern Creek, and having you know for the first time for me having a full um, set of Japanese mechanics come over to you know to to run the bikes and you know so you were now at big time you went, wasn't just some mate helping you out you know and now big time testing you know different swing arms pivot points all these sort of things that that you never thought you would would be able to do. Hey, um, I've, I haven't asked Av this question, but I'll, I'll tempt myself to ask you this question because it applies to everybody that races motorbikes at ridiculous speeds. Do you have to be just a little unhinged to do it? <laughs> <laughs> a good question, but it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite. You know, I had a go in the um, last year in the Endurance Series in, in the Aston Martin, um, and, you know, some of the guys that are driving out there, they're pretty unhinged. You know, um, you, you can go off the back straight and um, go off into the, the kitty litter at 240k an hour, and all you need to do is just chuck it and reverse and back out. Um, on a motorbike, you can't do that. So you can't experiment with um, different things. You, 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 and you're um, getting better and better by the small increments, you know, and, and it's a lifelong um, journey. So, you know, starting from a kit. Yeah. You just get faster and faster and faster. You, if you like, if you swung your leg on the bike and just got on there and went for it, you're just going to end up off the first corner and done that. Don't learn anything. Done that. Yeah, yeah. So, it, so it, it's it's not. You know, I'd, I'd say the exactly opposite. And and um, as Greg would know, and I had to go on the rally car at the start of the year. You know, that that is big ball stuff. You know, really, that is big balls. We we are trusting somebody else's notes and all that sort of stuff. Like on the motorbike, you've only got yourself to blame and. You know, everything's in small increments here. You come out of the last turn at Phillip Island, the thing's wheel spinning, and it's, and it's it just feels perfect. But you don't wheel spin any more than that next lap. You just stay at that sort of speed, and, and it just goes smaller and smaller increments, and, you know, that's the way it is. That is such a sensible answer. That is such a sensible <laughs> answer, Aaron. But, hey, mate, thanks so much. Are you, at, at 55, you're still getting the leg over on the bike? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, just just for fun stuff. So, but you know, adventure bikes and that, and um, you know, I like riding the adventure bike, but I actually like riding on the on the back roads, you know, more on the tar field too. It's a bit of fun, you know. And, um, I've got a bit of OCD, so I don't like getting dirty, you know. Um, <laughs> he does. I can confirm that. Yeah, I can definitely can confirm that. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, and um, yeah, I, I knock around on the on the trail bike occasionally. You know, we, me and Greg have a world championship um, trail ride uh, once a year with a few other mates, and uh, that's always really good fun. You know, guys, and these these sort of rides you go on and, and like on the road, it's really great to go with guys that are I've got a, a lot of talent because you don't have to worry about anybody hurting themselves or trying to keep up. You know, everyone rides within themselves, and it's all all great fun. It's called age. Yeah, except maybe Greg doesn't ride within himself. Nah, he's, he's, he's a lunatic, absolute lunatic. Aaron, yeah. pleasure having you on Race Control, mate. Look after yourself and we'll, we'll talk to you again, okay? Awesome, thanks, guys. Great to be there. <laughs> thanks, See you, mate. Aaron Slide, Superbiker between 88 and 2000. Murph, 229 starts, mm. 87 podiums. You've got, to, you've got to say rock star, right? 
Oh, 100%. Back in the day, I mean, he was. He was he was one of the few yeah. best riders in the world on a superbike. Absolutely. 7.31. This is Race Control on SENZ. If you want to talk to us, feel free to give us a call on 0800 150 or text us on double eight double three. Coming next, we're going to talk Liam Lawson and going to F1 and a crazy, crazy statement made by Mercedes Toto Wolf. Back shortly here on SENZ. 735, the number to call is 0800 150 and Richard is on the line. G'day, Richard. How are you? Welcome to Race Control. How you going? All right, guys? Yeah, good, mate. I think I think Stephen will have a prize for you. You're our first caller. I don't know what the prize is, though. <laughs> Stephen, have you got a prize? Yeah, it's a big thank you, mate, for listening to Race oh, okay. Control. What's on your mind? Oh, I'm ringing up about the... Um, I've been listening to... Uh, was I know you. This is your first week on the show, is it? The first week on, on the East, Eastern End. Second, second, second week for the second week of the show, second mate. Second week, yeah. No, I listen to you. It's, oh, I'm Richard anyway. I don't know if you recognise me, uh, Greg and Steve, because I've been at Mansfield quite regularly. I'm the guy that wears the Arsenal shirt with all the signatures on. Greg, you're signed it. Um, right. I've actually got a photo of you and um, Angus Fogg. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't know if that's anything to get too excited yeah, yeah, this about. Is, uh, this year. This year, yeah, 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 I wear the Arsenal shirt and Steve McGovern, you always, yeah, I've spent time with John Beef, but I was bringing up at the motorbikes, you know, you're talking about um, with um, oh, Aaron, Aaron Slott and all that stuff, but have, yeah. you got, have you guys been to actually to a motor, you know, the Suzuki series that they have in Manfield, you know, the, the national one? Not me. No, but I, I've been oh, to. I went. Been. I went to suit the uh, when superbikes were coming to New Zealand and racing at Manfield way back in the nineties, whenever it was. I went. To, I was there for a couple of superbike events, which were enormous. The crowds there and the people that turned up for superbikes, the World Superbike Championship in New Zealand at Manfield was huge. That was amazing times, incredible times. I mean, I've talked. I've been to do a couple of good meetings, you know, and seen uh, seen some good racing. John Reef, you know the. Um, you know, uh, the V8s, I've, I've got uh, Rusty's uh, signature, you know what I mean? But the motorbikes, I've been going for the last three years and I follow, uh, I've got Avalon Dibbles, you know, before, got his signature last year in the photo and um, I spent the entire weekend with uh, Richie Dibbon. Don't know who that is. I don't is. Know, you know him. He, he owns, he's, he holds the motor, the motor TT track record at Wanganui. Oh, wow. You know, I spent the weekend and his yeah, just... Uh, awesome people, and yeah. I've so you do a bit of um, uh, officialing and stuff there at Manfield, do you there, Richard? Do you do some no, flag marshalling? No, I've always thought about, no, I was going to ask one day, um, oh, almost almost got your signature a couple of years back when you went for the New Zealand Grand Prix two years ago and you were sitting there with your wife and the two, ki- ki- two kids and <laughs> oh, I didn't want to go and get if you were sitting in the grass. Nah, <laughs> yeah, I, Richard, yeah, I wouldn't either because yeah, he can be yeah, quite yeah. testy. Eh? He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, one of these. Yeah, he's one of these yeah, rock stars. Yeah. You rock up to him. Hey, Richard, uh, just one question for you. It's Avalon Biddle, okay? It's Biddle. It's not a question. Uh, Biddle, oh, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Here's yeah, the yeah, question yeah, for you. Yeah. Here's the question for you. Here's the question for you. What was the what's the okay. tag what's the tagline about Manfield Raceway? Go to Manfield Raceway and. Don't know. Feel your heart racing. Thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate the time. 0800 150. That's right. 150811. Okay, Murph. Uh, is that the tagline, is it? Stephen? Oh, well, it's the tagline. Go to Manfield oh. and feel your heart racing. 
Right. Oh, well, you see, Circuit I, Christamon. I, I do, I do. Oh, so, yeah, okay. But I do. There are some things I do know, Murph, that you may not know. Uh, let's okay. just quickly talk about F1 because uh, last week I was playing with your head a little bit yep. about Liam Lawson, right? You but were. there is a, there is a suggestion though. Liam Lawson's in line to be one of these rookies if it goes through. That F1 will allow a rookie to have a crack at FP1 in, in F1. And of course, he's a Red Bull Junior, as are a number. But there's a real sense that Liam could actually have a, be a be a good in here. Well, um, Alex Albon uh, is moving to Williams next season, which is great to see him back in Formula One. So that leaves a bit of a, a void there at Red Bull for reserve driver. And um, you know the. People are out there doing all their sums and all their thinking and, and analysing. A lot, and, of, lot um, of money, though, Murph. I mean, a reserve. I'm told a reserve driver from my sources, which I, I are pretty. Your sources. Oh, don't start me on the sources thing, okay? But it's it's something like ten to fifteen million euro well, you have to bring to the party it, to be a reserve driver. Well, I don't know if that happens at Red Bull though, does it? Well, I probably mean, not if you're not, not if you're part of the team, right? No, so I don't see how that's a possibility for Red Bull. That's not what they would expect. I mean, they're a well-funded team. I mean, um, I'm, I'm picking that because Alex Albon doesn't have any money that he's not paying for it, and he wasn't in, in, in one of their seats as a, as a F1 driver. So I can't imagine that that would be the case. I could be very wrong, and if, if, if I am wrong, I'd be very surprised because it doesn't make a lot of sense, a team like that. But certainly at places like Williams or some of the lesser teams, I have no doubt that, uh, and, and it's fact that their reserve drivers um, are paying and as their drivers are paying, their actual drivers are paying to be there as well. So, you know, that wouldn't be a surprise. Even, though, even under the, the new owners? Even under the new owners, which are Capito, I'm told that they're, they're well-funded sure now and, 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 and they have to worry about that sort of stuff. Hey, I tell you what, speaking of Alex Albon, I, I, watch, I binge-watched the last four episodes on Netflix of Drive to Survive the other day. You, you, you actually are the last person on the planet to finish watching that because everyone else has finished it a long time ago. It doesn't matter, Murph. It doesn't matter about that. Don't be snide. All I'm saying, it doesn't surprise me me that Alex Albon was dropped. I actually don't think he's got the head for the game. Right. Well, he certainly couldn't handle it up against Max, could he? Um, against oh, no. Max Verstappen, it yeah, but... was. I mean, and and to be honest, no one else has, no one's been able to handle it up against Max. And I think Alec, uh, I think Perez is doing a, a a very good job, but still, you know, the ability at the moment of Max to consistently do what he's doing in that car up against the might of Mercedes is is pretty phenomenal, and no one else has been able to keep up. Okay, so Mercedes, nice little segue as we say in the business move. Toto Wolff has come out with what I would say was one of the most Oh, Dick comments and long comment. Listen to this. He said this this week about George Russell coming to the team. Quote, we need to get him properly adjusted to the Mercedes situation. It's important we condition and calibrate him in the right way. We condition and calibrate him. And then maybe we'll take a testicle off as well, just to make sure he doesn't beat... Lewis, no, he didn't say that part, but I couldn't believe that. Condition and calibrate. Yeah, it's just a load of uh, gibberish, really. I mean, and it's in, a little bit in reference to a question, I think, that was asked probably about the Hamilton-Rosberg mm. rivalry um, that uh, had a, a few flashpoints uh, during its time. Oh, man. Um, and that was just because of, in my opinion, just very poor management from Mercedes, that they didn't get on top of it, they didn't manage it, they didn't control it. At the end of the day, drivers are paid to do a job and sometimes management and teams let them get a little bit out of hand. Now, this comes from experience because 
I think I was probably out of hand quite a few times during my my tenures in certain race reckon, teams. And you was reckon? What was pain it? In the ass. Why? Why? A complete, a complete pain in the ass. And I actually can honestly tell you, I wished at times that uh, the teams had probably uh, been tougher and harder and actually, you know, uh, done a better job of management in that respect as well. And I think. There's plenty of examples of that in, in all sorts of motorsport, including Formula One. And, and even at the top, Formula One, Mercedes, the team that has the best driver in the world, um, arguably at the moment, and uh, you know one of the best we'll ever, ever see. But they still let the drivers get away with too much in many respects, I think. And that is the situation that they are already um, talking about. But in many respects, I think what he said in that article is a bit of gibberish, to be honest. Mate, that's the first time you've admitted to having a really big ego. Do you realise that? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Say you said. That at all. You said you're out of control. You it's know, got nothing to do with ego. It's got everything to do with ego. You know that. Come on, you're no, a race car. I'm not saying you have it now. I'm just saying you. We may have had it when you were a race I've, car I've driver. I've got a bigger one now. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. It's 7:43. This is race control with Stephen McIver. Oh, and four-time, four-time Bathurst champion Greg Murphy. He that has an incredibly large ego and admitted it right here. Coming next, NASCAR on SENZ. 7.48 on a Thursday. Time to talk NASCAR. Yeehaw! And we're into the second round of the playoffs. But the last round, oh my goodness, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. Have a listen to what went down and what they had to say afterwards. Chase hard into the turn. Harvick, can he clear him? He's got a lap car in front of the nine. Whoa! They Look at that contact. The four of Harvick got into the side of the nine. Kevin Harvick, of course, uh, not happy with Chase Elliott. So let's start there. What was the conversation between you and Chase after the race? I just told him, you know, it was kind of a chicken move that he did there at the end. You know, we race, we're racing for the freaking win at Bristol. We're three wide in the middle, and he throws a temper tantrum like, like, um, you know, I was just trying to trying to get the lead and racing hard. Then he pulls up in front of me and just sits there until I lose the whole lead. Let's hear from Chase Elliott. He's down here now. You don't feel you were raced very well by Kevin there. Oh, well, it's, it's something he does all the time. I mean, you know, he, uh, he, he runs into your left side constantly at other tracks, and, and sometimes it does cut down your left side. Others, other times it didn't, or it doesn't. He did it to me in Darlington a few weeks ago because he was tired of racing with me. And, and whether he did it on purpose, it doesn't matter. You know, at some point you got to draw the line. Got to draw the line because there is no going back. When it comes to NASCAR, so Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott was leading for a long time there, but it was won by Kyle Larson. Got to love it, huh? Oh, mate. Uh, it was it was enthralling. It was absolutely enthralling. These races go on for hours. But I, uh, yeah, as, as I said in the show, right at the, at the head of the show, I'm, I'm actually just become quite immersed in uh, this whole deal in NASCAR at the moment. It's really exciting. I mean, Chase... I think he would have won the race. I think he would have if it hadn't been for Harvick um, rubbing his, uh, his tie there and giving him a puncture, and he had to come in. And, and basically what happened after that was uh, Chase came out of the pits. He was a couple of laps down because it was a short track, so he, you know, he lost, lost a couple of laps, lost the opportunity to win that race. And um, he came out uh, only a, a little bit... Oh, I think he was just behind Kevin Harvick to start with, car, uh, past Kevin Harvick, and then got in the way of him for the next 25, 30-odd laps, which gave... 
uh, Kyle Larson, who eventually won the race, the opportunity. They're teammates. Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson are teammates. Gave them the opportunity to have a go at Kevin Harvick and a rival team. And, and it was just enthralling. And this, the beauty of what happens in NASCAR is what, gets, what happens on the track gets sorted out in the track. Yeah. It, the officials don't get involved. There's no, there's no third party going, no, you can't do that. No, you're a naughty boy. No, you're going to get a drive through. None of it. It happens on the track. So what Chase Elliott did, basically it was retaliation for Kevin Harvick moving up the track, rubbing him, giving a puncture, lost the chance of winning the, uh, winning the race. And he's gone, you know what? I'm not having it. I'm going to get out the front. I'm going to get in front of him. I'm going to cause as much grief as I can because him and Kyle Larson, teammates, and their mates, I'm going to, I want Kyle to win. And it played out beautifully. It was just in, incredible to watch. And then afterwards, the whole rigmarole and the pit lane and the talking and the conversations and nearly fight. It was nearly a fight. Yeah, it should, it was, have um, fight. should have been a fight. Should have been a fight. Needed a fight. It's, it's entertainment. It is, it is really, really, really good entertainment at the moment at NASCAR. So I really enjoyed that. And, and it's going to be interesting moving on. They're into the playoff round of 12 now. Uh, four got knocked off off the back yeah. of that round of 16. And they go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend, uh, which is a bit of a happy hunting ground it, it, for Kyle Larson. It, it is. I mean, we look, and by the way, your fact that you're excited about uh, NASCAR is actually seemingly uh, our Texas on double and, and our breaker accelerator is suggesting yeah. that... Uh, they're saying that NASCAR is actually maybe a little bit more entertaining uh, than IndyCar because of just that. But we are into the round of 12 now. So the highest qualified going in is our mate or your mate, because I think you've got a bit of a bromance going on here with Kyle Larson. So. Uh, Vegas, uh, when we look at his performance at Vegas, which is a 1.5 mile oval, uh, yeah. he, he's got a very good, he's got a win there. He's had four top fives. But here's the really scary part about Kyle Larson going into this weekend, Murph. He's led 800, 836 <laughs> laps on a 1.5-mile oval this season. The yep. next closest, 152 laps. You wouldn't want to know that. You wouldn't want that statistic to be known to your driver if it's not Kyle Larson. I mean, that is that is spectacular, absolutely spectacular. And I, th- I think he is probably a big reason why I, why I am so excited about NASCAR at the moment. Um uh, and I think it's probably the case for a lot of people. But what he's doing in, in those vehicles is 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 very very cool and and good on him for doing but it. But it's, redemp- it's a great redemption. It's a great redemption story though, isn't it? Massive. It is a great redemption story. He got dropped last year by Chip Ganassi Racing after an unfortunate slur that happened during an uh, esports event, which was live on um, uh, on the internet, and uh, and he got dropped immediately by his sponsors and uh, Ganassi. And uh, Rick Hendrick decided that he needed. Um, a second chance, needed an opportunity, and obviously had a lot of respect for him as a driver and everything. And he he gave him that drive this year in the five, and uh, he has repaid uh, that belief, you know, massively. And you know, fingers crossed, odds on. And I don't think there's anyone that probably says he doesn't deserve to, yeah, to win this championship yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not play the deser- let's not play the deserve line. No. Well, no, no, I'm doing it on performance. No, performance. His performances this year have, have outstreaked but, everybody. But, you, but I mean, you, don't you, deserve, you don't deserve to anything if you don't win it, right? If you can't win it, you don't deserve it. It's rubbish. It. No, it's not. Like what? It's like no. it's, it's <laughs> well, it's like, it's like that deserves such deserve is such a weak line. If you're good enough, you is win. It? Yeah. So if you win five, well, good but if you don't be a bit, of, but say he doesn't win it, right? Do we then come back and say, oh, he deserved to win? No, we shouldn't. No. 
No, I'm saying it now before that happens. <laughs> Martin Truex Jr., he's had two wins at, at Vegas. He likes it. He made the championships. He won the championship in 2017, uh, and he was uh, made the top four, the, the round of four, 15, 18, and 19. He got bumped out in the round of eight last year. Do you like Martin Truex's chances, knowing his Vegas form? Oh, I think we just like his chances because of his season as well. He's been uh, been very strong. Um it wasn't so good last week, though. He, he was actually a, a bit of a struggle street last week. Uh, they went straight out. They didn't have any practice. They had nothing. They went straight into the race, and their qualifying was based on, obviously, points and, and um, on the, in the playoff situation. So he was expected to do a lot better than what he did, but he actually struggled, dropped back uh, massively. I think we mentioned last week um, James Small is his, his chief, uh, crew chief, and he's an Aussie guy. Um, got a huge amount of... Uh, uh, time in supercars and, and very, very clever guy who, who crew chiefs for Martin Truex Jr. So a little bit of a soft spot there because of uh, James's um, position there within the team. OK, one final thought's got to be quicker because we've run out of time here. Uh, Denny Hamblin, fourth fastest pit crew. Give him a chance to win. Absolutely. Who? I mean, let's look at the list, mate. Everyone's got a chance in that list. They're all brilliant. All right, that's the first hour done of this edition of Race Control. That's NASCAR. They're at Vegas this weekend. It'll be live on Sky. We'll talk about it more in next week's edition. Watch it. It will be good. (laughs) Coming after eight, Matthew Payne and Lee Diffie, one of the most talented commentators going around in motorsport. He's the IndyCar commentator. He talks exclusive to Lee, to Merv, after eight. Blah, 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 on SENZ. Stay with us. Eight o'clock on the dot here on Race Control on SENZ around New Zealand, 0800 150 811 or Texas on double eight double three for brake or accelerators. IndyCar more entertaining than NASCAR. Well, many of you are saying that NASCAR is more entertaining than IndyCar. So if you want to tell us why, you know the number, 0800 150 811. Coming your way before 9 o'clock this evening, we're going to talk to Lee Diffie, who is an Australian-American-based uh, commentator, motorsport commentator, who commentates IndyCar, and he is incredibly good. And Murph sat down with him, well, talked to him on the phone. They probably were sitting down, had a little chat to them. Uh, when you when you talk to someone like them, if we're going to hear it before half past eight this evening, uh, do you get a little just a little bit jealous of someone being able to just travel around and, and look at a formula that it really is catching the imagination of people, more so, I would suggest, at times, than F1? Uh, well, that's exactly... Believe it or not, um, and I don't think you have heard the uh, the interview, but that was actually what I said first up to him was how envious I was of what um, he and Paul Tracy um, and oh my goodness, I've forgotten the th- uh, Townsend Bell who do the commentary for for NBC and for uh, for IndyCar. How envious I was of those three guys um, getting to be out there and around uh, doing that job right now because it, it really is so exciting to watch and, and and there's just so much to talk about every single race meeting and they you can tell how much they enjoy uh, commentating. Um, that you know that series. So, uh, and and Lee goes into the, a lot of that about uh, what is so exciting about it in the interview. All right, let's uh, move on because we've got a youngster on the line that is could be, and let's let's just not overplay it too much on a very fast trajectory into supercars. The kid's name is Matthew Payne, and uh, on his Facebook page he said this: "I'm super excited to share this is a couple of weeks ago, Murph. I'm super excited to share with that I've signed a multi-year contract with Grove Racing to be a driver in their newly formed Grove." junior team. We're finalising my 2022 programme, which could see me driving a variety of cars. There are options. Carrera Cup, Super 2, 
GT or supercars. Matthew Payne, surely it's got to be the last one you would just want to get your teeth into, supercars. Yes, yes. Hello, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're good, mate. Great, mate. Now answer the good question. Good to talk to you. Um, hey, I can't say anything yet. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, like obviously like everyone, I think we'd hope it's the last one, but we're still working through a little few things. Um, and, and we've still got 2021, uh, the, the end of the year to run uh, pretty much. So oh, my goodness. Close this out as good as we can. Um, what a politician. Yeah. What a politician. <laughs> I can't say anything yet, but come on, Matthew. Don't be telling <laughs> Kelly Grove you're doing this interview. <laughs> no, no, we're all good. We're all good. Hey, mate, it's been a, um, a pretty, uh, well, up and down kind of year, but COVID has just caused chaos, obviously, in Australia, as everybody knows, and it's caused a bit of chaos for you. But, mate, you know, the the fact that you've gone into Career Cup, one of the most challenging formulas that I think exists on the planet, you know, these uh, Porsche... 911 Career Cup cars are incredibly hard to tame and be very consistent and get on top of, yeah. but you have managed that yeah. very, very quickly and, and on racetracks that you have never seen before. Why is why yeah. are you making it look so easy? Uh, well, I don't know, to be honest, Greg. I think, um, you know, obviously, Ilban and Motorsport has been a huge part to play in yep. this. Um, they've, they've sort of... We just started off at the start of the year with no sort of expectations, um, especially at, at Sandown. We kind of we, we were sort of around that top ten area, um, and so yeah, we just sort of started there, started building up to it, um, did a couple more test days after that, and I still wasn't really too comfortable um, with the car because obviously they are hard to drive, um, and then pretty much we went to the bend. I think it was we we did a day testing there um, and that, that was awesome like I love that track that track is wicked uh, I love the love the open flowing stuff um, and that just sort of I sort of clicked there um, and then we went to the obviously the bend uh, with the Kura Cup and that was obviously really good even in the wet you know I'd never really been out in the wet um, sort of just gave it sort of everything and then obviously got the pole which was really cool and then um, yeah, we've sort of been faster since that, really. Um, I think it just took those first couple of weekends to just sort of get used to the, the car and obviously how it drives and everything. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously, like I said, Alabama Motorsport's been pretty much the key um, to it all, really. They've, they've been awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you then, you know, you, you went to Townsville, and uh, yeah. did the job up there. Got, you've got your first win. I mean, I thought it was going to come at the bend, but obviously there was uh, all sorts of carnage and bits and pieces that yeah. went on there. So let's not talk about that. But but you went to a street circuit, um, which is a pretty tough street circuit. I, I love Townsville. I think it's a great great yeah. place, great racetrack. And yeah. man, you were just you were on fire. Yeah, like I I also love Townsville. It's wicked. Um, first street track for me as well. And I kind of was a little bit hesitant getting in there driving it for the first time, I'm kind of thinking, oh, you know, geez, those walls look pretty close in some corners. Um, <laughs> but, like, we, um, yeah, we went out there and just straight away, I felt pretty comfortable within the sort of the first four, four or five laps. And, um, yeah, just sort of kept pushing it. But I don't think I stepped over that sort of 110% bar every each session, you know, so I kind of kept it pretty safe. Um, not, not too many moments. So 
we um, yeah managed to just work our way through the weekend and, and have really good speeds. So, um, yeah, that was really cool. Matthew, uh, with Carrera Cup, you guys are all working paddle shifters, right? But you go to supercars and they're going you know, to have to be a bloody big gear stick to handle and, 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 and manage a very, very heavy car around the tracks. If you, if, and it's a big if with possibly a yes, get to drive supercars in 2022, how big an adjustment do you think that'll be? Um, I think it's going to be quite big. Um, I'm, I'm sort of trying to get in the zone of, of what driving a supercar would be like. Um, and we're doing a lot of work here just to see what we can do and, and to practice, you know, on the simulator with the gear stick and just sort of, I, I think, try and get ahead of, um, ahead of, of, you know, not being able to go around to the tracks and all of that. Um, just trying to get used to it, see what it's like. Uh, obviously, it is going to be a big change. Um, and look, I'm I'm ready for it. So hopefully, we can um, get up to the track soon and experience it. Mate. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Stephen is jumping out of his chair, man, because he, he thinks that that's an admission that, that it's happening. But, you know, I'm not going to get too carried away. Hang on, on man. Hang on, hang on. Quote, quote Matthew Payne two seconds ago. Obviously, it's going to be a big change. Yeah, but you know, it's just words, Stephen. It's just words. You know, he he oh, might I'm be just, doing super I'm too. Saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> if I get to drive it, it's going to be a big change. Mate, that's a Hold comeback. That's, that's a lazy comeback, yeah. man. You were, yeah. you you drop yourself in it this time. Hey, but but hold on. I mean, at the end of the day, let's let's just hypothetically. You say that that's going to happen. I really hope it does because I think, I yeah. think you are uh, moving very, very quickly uh, and learning. And, you know what I saw earlier in the year uh, at the New Zealand Grand Prix and, and then in, in TRS, the things you were doing, and and then you know jumping in a career cup car. I was really positive about what I thought you were going to do, and then you've, you have gone ahead and done it. And and as I say, that that's a that's a huge key in the way I look at uh, young drivers yeah. um, developing yeah, yeah. in the sport is what you can do in career. A cup. That's a that's a big one. So let's just yeah. like say that that the the best thing happens. I mean, is that going to blow your mind in how quickly if it does? I mean, you know more than we do, but I mean that that would just be mind blowing for me that you you spend uh, half a sort of season in Australia driving Career Cup. I mean, I don't think that's ever happened before. Uh, someone moves into no. that. I mean, in, in the back of your mind, is that all just completely just out of like whoa, just crazy? Um. To be honest, I think I'm sort of just floating on this cloud at the moment and I'm still going. Um, And I haven't really settled down and thought about it too much. Um, I'm trying to just sort of keep going um, and and not think about the big picture, you know, just focusing on on what I have to do. Um, And then, like, obviously no one, it's a bit unexpected um, with all of of the stuff happening over here. and, And so I don't think anyone has really... Fast as fast as I have, you could say, um, through these through these categories. But hey, I don't know. Hopefully next year something good happens. But um, <laughs> I'm just trying to do the work now um, to, to to make those opportunities greater. So. But- are you 18 or 19? I'm trying to figure it out. I didn't, you, you don't actually have a Wikipedia profile. Mind you, neither do I, so don't, no. don't, don't worry about that. Uh, Murph has got, <laughs> Murph's got a huge one uh, profile. Uh, so, so talk to me about the, um, there you uh, go. the age. Are you 18 or 19, buddy? Eight, 18. So uh, oh 18. My my, my, really? 18. How do you deal with pressure? Uh, pretty good by the looks I'm of it. usually pretty good. I don't. Yeah. I'm pretty. Calm, <laughs> he couldn't be any more relaxed. No, I'm pretty relaxed. 
So I, I've always been intrigued when, when there is so much talent around. And, and you know, even in Europe, there's there's guys of your age that are racing probably F3, F2, and, and some will get on the... Yeah, yeah. But what... If you were, if you looked at yourself, you know, introspection, even at eighteen, what makes you so good at this job right now? Um, I just think I I flow really well with the car, and, and holding the steering wheel feels pretty natural to me. Um, like, and just yeah, I managed to to sort of adapt really fast um, to the cars, and especially to the tracks. You know, Townsville was a pretty good example of getting in and sort of doing three, four laps and you're like, okay, yeah, I know how this works and you're kind of comfortable with the lines, etc. Um, so I think, yeah, it's more adaptability um, and just getting the most out of it without crossing that line I think helps a lot, you know, just not trying too hard or, or yeah, I think that's kind of where the pressure comes into it. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's... I don't know. I, I can't really tell you. I just kind of get in and, and, and do my job, really. Um. <laughs> That's uh, and that's what you got to do, and uh, it's uh, yeah. it's awesome to see so many uh, of, of uh, young Kiwi drivers doing so well, mate. Um, you know, you're only eighteen, so you've had a long a long time to think about it. But but, and I haven't ever asked you this question, but your your dream, your focus on where you wanted to be as a race car driver, was it? Was it touring cars? Is it sports cars? Is it supercars? It wasn't the single-seater path? You didn't want to go Europe and all that kind of thing? Um, no, I've never really been um, into the whole Formula 1 package, to be honest. I've always yep. I've always been really tall, so I've never yep. really even thought about it. I always knew oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be too tall for that, for the um, Formula 1 route anyway. So I think, um, you know, I kind of just booked to that straight out when I was probably 14 or 15, didn't really think about it and just sort of um, passed on, you know, all right, turn cars, you know, what can we what can we do here? And obviously obviously the endurance stuff is really appealing. Um, supercars is really appealing as well. Um, I'd like to just be in motorsport in general, really. Um, don't really mind what I drive, you know, but obviously there's, there's goals and there's ambitions, but, um, yeah, it's all... Driving, driving anything is, is what I like. You, you know, Matthew, when you when you see you you hop on a car, you do four or five laps, you go, I know how it works. It reminded me of something else I just watched on Netflix, which was the Schumacher documentary. And the yeah, great line, yeah. the great line from Michael Schumacher was, uh, "I always make sure that I try and feel one with the car." And that really stood out for me. Yeah. When you and when you said that, you know, four or five laps, I went, "Oh my gosh." Maybe you just ha- have this innate ability to feel "quote unquote" one with the car. Am I am I drawing yeah. a long bow on that? No, I think you're you're pretty accurate on that. Like it's and it's always important to to feel comfortable uh, pushing it, you know, so hard and it's so split second decisions make everything really. And I think um, it's important to to be comfortable. And I think especially, you know, Michael, he was obviously such a huge talent um he obviously knows so much more than what what i know for instance i'm only 18 but um yeah i mean i I do feel pretty comfortable when i get out there and it it feels pretty natural um for me so i think it's that 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 also helps for the, for the results. Well, well. I'm going I'm to remember that quote. It feels pretty natural to me. Well, okay, so we appreciate you coming on Race Control. It's only our second episode, and you've got me a little bit excited, only because you said <laughs> that's what we, we, we've been working on when it comes to going from paddle shifters to guest experts, rolling his eyes, going, oh, Mackay, stop it. You're trying to draw something yeah, out I, of it. I, 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 I,
I, I think um, I think that's obviously it's what I've been working on because there's <laughs> there's opportunities around for for supercars for for Super Two or, or yeah, career yeah. cars. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Heard it all before. Heard it all before, Matthew. <laughs> Leave hey, him alone. All right, you He's go. Eighteen. You just go back and go concentrate on that E series. We look forward to seeing you and hearing yeah. that announcement before Christmas about you joining Kelly Grove Racing in the big the big Keep game, up the mate. Good work, mate. Congratulations so far. Yeah, Keep up the good thanks, work. It's awesome to watch guys. it. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Thank there you, you go, Matthew Fain. I reckon, man, I reckon he dumped... I think, you know, the, the kid just dumped himself at it without realising it, Murph. It doesn't matter. I mean, this, It's great. Uh, like, listen to him. Listen to... Oh, I mean, he's, he's, how, he's cool as cool a cucumber. Yeah, no, but... And, and, you know, he is a tall boy. I don't know how he got in that um, TRS car at the beginning of the year. I was complaining about it, and he's, like, four foot taller than me. So, um, you know, he, it, it's just so cool. And, and, and I, I gauge I gauge talent big time on that uh, whole Career Cup thing. I mean, you look at Matt Campbell, you look at Jackson Evans, you know, these guys that have uh, shot off overseas and become Porsche junior drivers all were just super talented in Career Cup. But I don't know if those guys were as, as uh, successful in their first year in uh, driving career cup is, is maybe what Matt is showing his ability. Yeah, the one thing that stands out just the way he talks to you and and and, and yeah, it's uh, he, he oozes. oozes. He, oh, okay. There you go. I feel like oh, I got your, your hands stuffed. We're at one. I feel like your hands stuffed up my back at the moment, like a little little, yeah, a little puppet, puppeting, little puppeting mm. going on. Hey, you got a text in on double eight double three about our our brake or accelerate brake. Of course, any calls? Any calls? Any uh, more calls? No, no, we're cool, mate. Just come on. 0800 150 You want to talk to Murph? He's gagging to talk to you. Mm. 0800 150 A brake or accelerate? Is IndyCar more entertaining than NASCAR? Keith from Shannon has just texted and said, hey, guys, might be a bit narrow-minded way to look at it, but it's IndyCar for me. The fact that we have two Kiwis in there makes it so much more enjoyable, and it's a great format. Has there been many, if any, Kiwis, Aussies and NASCAR, excluding the amazing Marcus Ambrose, of course, wink, wink, Murph, Amazing Marcus Sorry, I Ambrose. That. I was asleep. I was <laughs> okay. You can just so brake or accelerate. It's either accelerate or a brake. I've got to say, it looks like it's more of a brake on IndyCar being more entertaining. Folks are enjoying mm. a NASCAR a lot more. Stay with us here on Race Control, episode number two. It's 8.16. After the break, Lee Diffie. It is 8.21, and now it's time to talk IndyCars. Have a listen to this. This is the this is the sound of the man that Murph's going to talk to. Well, right now here at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, this is Herder's house, and Carter Herder is now a two-time winner. There's Dad Brian celebrating with Alfonso Ribeiro, and he goes back-to-back, 2019-2021, Colton Herder, your race winner. Yeah, that was at Laguna Seca just at the weekend with one round to go, and Murph decided, I need to talk to Lee Diffie, didn't you, Murph? Yeah, and, and I've known Lee for a very, very long time, and um, he's been commentating all forms of motorsport and doing all, all sorts of amazing things uh, f- uh, in Australia before he shipped off over to the US and, uh, again, has been doing incredible things over there. He was at uh, the Olympics doing stuff for NBC uh, this year as well. I mean, he's a very busy man, and um, I was very envious, very envious of, of uh, him and the, the job that he is doing uh, for IndyCar this year, and I, I threw that at him to say, you know, mate, how lucky do you feel that you are um, a part of commentating IndyCar this season? It's been, it's been awesome. I mean, isn't it nice that you know you can go to work and you're going to have fun and, you know, it's, it's unpredictable, it's exciting. Um, there's just so much variety. There's definitely this, this new wave of talent 
that's come into IndyCar, whether it be Alex Pillow from Spain or Pato Award from Mexico, Scott McLaughlin, of course, from New Zealand and Australia. It's just, it's great. And, and you know, it's not that, it's not terrific that we want to say farewell to the to the veterans and some of the legends of the sport, but you know all sport goes through change, and certainly this 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 new breed of IndyCar driver that that has landed on our doorstep here in the states they're awesome. They're just terrific young fellows, and they're great drivers. And you know watching them go to wheel, wheel to wheel with the Scott Dixons and the Ryan Hunter Rays of the world is makes for really great entertainment. So the the championship's in a real sweet spot at the moment for sure. Yeah, I mean, talking in F1 about, um, you know, it hitting towards a golden era with the, the Norrises and, and the Russells and the Clares and all these guys uh, coming through, and it, and it looks like that is going to have a, a, a big shift coming very soon, what's well, already started. But IndyCar is a bit of already potentially ahead of the game there with what you're saying about all these young guys. But they're not just talent, but they're actually the stars of the future that you are wanting to get behind as well. And that's so critical for the future of a sport. But it seems that everyone is so engaged with these these new talents because they, they've got more than just skill behind the wheel. Yeah, they're, 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 they're sharp, they're smart, and they've arrived on the scene, you know, ready to race. And, you know, I think you can, you can attribute a lot of that to, you know, being the, the simulated generation. You know, if you're not doing on iRacing or, or, or what have you at home, which they all do, um, you know, the manufacturers have the sim, sims that they, they, you know, they want to spend as much time on them as possible. So they've come ready to race. I mean, you know, uh, we mentioned Scott Dixon. So let's use him as an example. Alex Pillow is only his second year in IndyCar. More than likely, you know, it's not definite, but more than likely he's going to be crowned champion this weekend in Long Beach. And he's the first teammate to outpoint Dixon, you know, head-to-head within Chip Ganassi Racing in almost a decade. It was Dario Franchitti was the last one. So when you're just a second-year driver in IndyCar, you're only 24, and you're able to do that over the six-time champion, that's pretty pretty darn impressive. Yeah, it is massively impressive. And it's, it's great you mentioned that that whole new way of going about learning with that whole that sim stuff. And... Uh, you, you and you mentioned Ryan Hunter Ray too. I, I, you know, I've been talking a lot about him in the in the last uh, few events and his futures up in the air, and and it really does stand out, doesn't it? I mean, he's obviously a brilliant, great race car driver, um, has had success, but but you can just see how hard it is at the moment for the likes of him. Not so much Scott Dixon, but you can see that it is getting harder. And, and, and that must be just you know quite difficult in some respects to take. I mean, he's still a young man, really, but. He just is, missed, is missing that edge, right? Well, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough, Murph, when, you know, when, you know, you're, you're talking about tenths, hundredths, or thousandths of seconds. And, you know, making the Firestone Fast 6 to, to, you know, shoot it out for pole, and you miss it by two thousandths of a second, or, you know, one tenth, or whatever it might be. I mean, it's just so, you know, don't take my word for it. Take, take, you know, New Zealand sporting star Scott McLaughlin's word for it. You know, there was a couple of races ago, he rang me and he said, he said, mate, this is tough. <laughs> this is so tough. And, you know, he's been on a steep learning curve and, but as good as he is, like Scott's an incredible talent, but look at what he's had to deal with, which I don't think we've really articulated it very well on the broadcast, mm-hmm. which maybe we can do this weekend. Um, he's come from the top of the tree. Right, he's been he's been the big kid in the schoolyard in 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 supercars for for many years, and you're at that championship elite level, and you come here 
and you have to sit in the motorhome and look at yourself in 13th place or 19th place or, you know, 11th or whatever it might be. That's a pretty tough pill to swallow. And, you know, he's had, he's, you know, he's told me he's had to deal with that. And it's been, it's been a, um, a challenge for him. It's been something he's had to work at to say, look, this is not going to be a one year thing. It's going to take time. I've got to, I've got to get my own head around it. So, I mean, he's done an awesome job this year. I'm really pleased for him. I'm proud of him. Um, but that just goes to show you how tough IndyCar is. When you have a seven-time NASCAR champion in Jimmy Johnson, and he got his best result of the year, and it's 17th. Um, you know, McLaughlin's learning. You got obviously Romain Grosjean had a really good weekend at the week uh, at Laguna with a podium. But you know, it's tough. You know, I think a lot of the F1 paddocks thought Grosjean was going to waltz in here and just wipe everybody, yeah. and it's just not true. And Grosjean's spoken about that. Yeah, the depth is enormous, and I think the beauty of um, where the regulations are with IndyCar at the moment, uh, with the car they've got, and obviously it's a one-make chassis, a couple of different engines, and, and a very limited amount of things you can do, which I love about IndyCar, is the control and the restrictions, a little bit like what we have in supercars in Australia, but it, it's working so well and making the teams work so hard and making the drivers you know, make the difference. It was interesting listening to, to um, Paul Trace in Townsend Bell. You know, you asked them on the broadcast at uh, Laguna on the weekend what their scorecard was for Scott Dixon. And I, I really thought their their descriptions of that were were just brilliant because it was straight up honest. And, and Scott, Scott McLaughlin. Scott McLaughlin, you Scott, mean? Not yeah, Dixon. Scott, yeah, that's, that's right. And Scott McLaughlin. And, yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they were really good at descriptions from two guys that are immersed in the sport. You know, honest description of, of where it at. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was interesting just to hear them, you know, reference the reasons why. Um, but, but it is because it is so tough in there. And you can't give him an A or an A+. Plus. Um, because of his experience in other forms, even though his, his experience in IndyCar is, is so short. But there's been such great glimpses. And surprisingly, it was on the ovals too, right? We probably thought it was going to be road courses where he was going to shine, but it's been the other way around. Yeah, he loves the ovals. And, and I mean, for him to get a podium at Texas Motor Speedway, I mean, Texas is a tough track. And, yeah. um, you know, he was running well at Indy. I, I you know the whole coulda, shoulda, woulda thing. But if he didn't have that hiccup on pit lane entry at the Indianapolis 500, I'm mm. putting him in the top five, if not the top three. Like yeah. he was he was going well. He was on the same strategy as Simon Paginot, who the 2019 Indy 500 winner, who ultimately ended up finishing third. Scott was right there with his teammate. Like he was on the same strategy and he was right there with Scott. So, oh, sorry, with Simon. So I think if that didn't happen, McLaughlin was headed for a, a magnificent result. And so, but you know, for me, I think you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's going outside the ballpark too far to say that he'll be an IndyCar champion one day and he'll be an Indy 500 winner one day. I, I, I in you know, for as long as I've been around the sport, I truly believe that because Scott, uh, he's just got talent in abundance. He's just still learning the nuances and and the, the cadence to an IndyCar season. Um, because it's not like supercars. You don't have a race here and then three weeks off or, you know, and then a race here and then a month off. It's, it's, once you get sucked into the vortex of an IndyCar season, things come at you really fast. And he's learned that. He's, he, he said, you know, that it's been so different. And then, you know, the car and it, it's so tough to when, when, when the margins are so slight. So you shouldn't look at, you know, for, for all of your listeners there in, 
New Zealand, you know, in the Scott McLaughlin stand. You know, don't be don't be disappointed when you see him in eleventh or in ninth or something like that because it's so damn tough that um, you know just to get that extra little bit. Um, he'll find that he'll find that, and and there'll be there'll be podiums and there'll be that that first win come. Um, if it doesn't happen this weekend, uh, I bet you it happens next year for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, it's a pretty good summarise of um, of where it's heading for him. Okay, so the last round uh, this weekend, the famous Long Beach circuit. Uh, that's just going to be amazing to see IndyCars back at, at Long Beach. And, uh, you know, the, it, mate, it's a build. It's a big build for the, for the end of it. How are these guys going to... Going to manage it. The uh, you know Alex Pillow leading the championship. Um, he's it's a it's a it's a decent lead, but he's still going to have to you know do the job. I mean, there's still three guys obviously up for it mathematically. Um, how do you see it playing out, mate? So it you know Pillow's got a got a got a nice advantage, um, and when you think about it realistically, um, he should win because of that margin. And all he has to do at Long Beach is finish 11th or better, regardless, even if, if uh, Pato Award wins. So if, if Alex Pillow can finish 11th or better, he's got the title. But as you well know, Murph, it's Long Beach. There Long is Beach. a long history of turn, t- turn one crashes. Um, it's a street race, and street races can suck you in. Like, they can put you in the wall in a heartbeat. So... Um, it's not like where you've got lots of runoff and it's, well, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be, able, I'm going to be okay. I mean, street races bite. And um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I know that Pato Award knows that, he's, that he's, he's got an uphill battle. But you know what? He drives really well on street courses. He's really, like, he's got, you know, we call him the ninja because of his fast hands. He's, he's awesome on, on street courses. So it's not over yet for him. I think it's going to be an awesome way to finish the season. We've actually got a double header weekend. It's an IMSA uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, race as well on the Saturday and then IndyCar on the Sunday. So huge weekend and it's really good for us to come back to Long Beach and to the West Coast because we missed out on it last year because of the pandemic. So um, it's, re- it's great for the fans. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, mate, you've had a, a pretty wild year yourself, running around all over the world, went to the Olympics and or called the Olympics and bits and pieces. You didn't go. I don't think you didn't go, did you? You, were, you stayed in the States, but you were calling um, uh, stuff for the Olympics as well. That, that would have been huge. Yeah, no, I actually was in Tokyo. I was there. Oh, you were? Um, I was there. Wow. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there. We, we had a... Um, I was there for about 15 days and we had a few days to settle in uh, when we landed. And then once we started, I did 10 days straight. So track and field had both morning and evening sessions. And so it was a big workload, but it was really, it was really rewarding. I mean, um, Japan and Tokyo, the way that they conducted it, they did a very good job. They made us, we followed very strict COVID protocols. Um, but they made us feel very safe and secure, and, and um, the, the the events themselves went off really well. So they did a terrific job. I just feel for them. It was sad that there was no fans uh, in the mm. stands. You know, I was, I was sitting in a seventy thousand seat stadium, and there was you know very few people in there. Mate, uh, super. You really appreciate your time uh, to have a chat. Um, great to see you amongst it. Um, haven't seen you for a bloody long time. Um, good to catch up in person. Make sure you say you don't. Uh, in Austin, because I'm sure you'll catch up with them. Um, bloody, uh, 
just another absolute icon legend. So um, enjoy, mate. Uh, enjoy this weekend at Long Beach in the, in the final call of the season. And uh, bloody well done. It's been, a, been an awesome year to listen to you. Thanks, Murph. Um, great. Uh, real, real delight to, to be on your show. Hi to all of, all of your listeners. And, and for all of us uh, on NBC Sports and from the IndyCar side of things, thank you all for watching because I know that there's a lot of uh, loyal IndyCar fans in New Zealand and, uh, and, and it pleases me that, that the New Zealand and Aussie viewers can actually watch it live down there and, and enjoy it. And, and to have two New Zealanders in the field, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Bloody cool. Thanks, bro. Thanks, mate. Lee Diffie talking to Murph a little bit earlier this week. Good chat, too. Stick around. We're going to continue talking IndyCar in just a moment. It's 8.35. This is Race Control on SENZ. Time's moving on. It's 8.39. This is Race Control Thursday evening with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. Time to figure out what you like. Do you like IndyCars as more entertainment or NASCAR? Murph, the result is in. Have a listen. No. It's the brake. It's not the accelerator. So people are saying IndyCar is not as entertaining as NASCAR. Mm. Uh, yes, and I'm sure people have got their valid reasons and, uh, and opinions, which is great because uh, that's what it's all about. So I'm, which I'm happy because I'm glad <laughs> people are enjoying NASCAR, but um, I'm still uh, probably like one of the text messages that did come in because we've got two Kiwis racing in IndyCar, yeah. it probably does slide it over the line, I think, for me. And I think I think it has been incredibly exciting this season. Absolutely brilliant. I thought it was really interesting that, um, you know, Lee was talking about, uh, you know, uh, Alex Pillow and, and, and Scott Dixon, teammates, and how it's been... What, I can't remember what he said. How long it's been. Dario Franchitti was the uh, Franchitti was the last guy to to actually uh, beat um, Scott Dixon as a teammate, which is many, many, many years ago. Um, and that just goes to show, you know, what a, a trump he has had on that series for so long, and that's why he is the GOAT uh, in IndyCar wow. and deservedly so. But it is catching up. Right? He's, he's getting, well, he's getting older. Up. He's getting older. Uh, he's getting older, and uh, that's not but, saying his reflexes are any worse or any slower. But you know, no. You... But it was that. Um, it was interesting though too. And he and he said it was. Uh, it's the simulator generation. Oh, you've, you've said this before. You've said it because that's what that wasn't your generation. And, and when were when were we no. talking about the sim generation? What was it? Oh, it was when the, we had the first uh, Supercars E series, and we'd look into these yep. guys. And even and you said to me on an edition of Sky Speed, you said, "Mate, these guys have been sitting in sims for five or six years. Like it's nothing." Because you were struggling, if you remember, and that in the Bathurst, you you were in that your first E series, you were struggling at Bathurst, of which we know you've won four Big times, time. but it was a, a bit different uh, on the Tonka Toys right time, right? So it, it is interesting. The, but look, yeah. pal, the, the, I think the really interesting dynamic this weekend is Chip Ganassi will have no problems in saying to Scott, "Protect Alex." If if, yeah, if you're if, you, is, if, if you're in a position to do that, protect Alex, and so he should because that guy is a pro. But he doesn't need to tell him that. Um, he is a pro, as you say, and therefore um, he has already uh, come out and made a statement that he will do everything he can to ensure the IndyCar Championship trophy mm. remains in the Chip Ganassi yeah. camp. Yeah, I, and he will do that. He will do everything possible without without doing anything with any malice or anything on purpose. No. He, but he'll do a bit of what Chase Elliott did, and, and IndyCar <laughs> is the same in respect that that there's no blue flags, you know. If you're a lap down, you can race. You can race for it. If the if the if the the race leader is coming up behind you, you can race as hard as you like to try and stay in that position. And 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 some people might not like that, um, but I actually think it's fantastic. 
Yeah, I, I think I think the the cool the cool thing is that he's happy to be happy to be the wingman. The the wonderful story about Alex Palau that came from Spain didn't actually ever want to race. Never wanted to race Formula One. Always wanted to race IndyCar. Always Smart wanted man. to race IndyCar, which which is incredible. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, outside chance, Pato Award. I mean, we you and I have talked all season about how the next generation have really shaken up. IndyCar this year, but there was one driver at the weekend who I just, and again, it, it made more sense to me after watching the very last episode of Drive to Survive about when Romain Grosjean had that horrific, you know, the man yep. the man that got out of the fire, the phoenix that he's got himself, phoenix. and see him thoroughly enjoy his racing again. And I don't, and yeah. it, it hit me like a brick between the eyes as to how much probably unnecessary pressure there is on Formula One drivers. They just want to race. They don't need the bollocks around it. Well, but again, and I That's... mentioned in the in the article, oh, sorry, in the interview with <laughs> Lee too, there's a, the difference. You, you look at Formula One and how it's done and how it's built. You know, they've got they've got constructors. There's yeah. a constructors championship. And the constructors, you, you know, you look at all the tiers and how you've got these great drivers. Look at George Russell, for example, driving a Williams, driving one of, you know, the, the slowest cars in the field. Put him in the Mercedes, and he's one of the fastest drivers yeah. in the world. So an IndyCar... This is the, the level playing, more level playing field scenario that focuses more on the driver and the driver's ability. And that's why Ramon Grosjean has got such a smile on his face because he knows he's in a formula where pretty much everything, all the tools that everyone's got is the same as what everyone else can have, right? And Formula One, that is, as we know, not the case. So great drivers will rise to the top in IndyCar on performance. And he is obviously a very, very good driver. I don't think he is um, the best by any means. And, and I think there's better drivers than him. But he is a very, very good race car driver. And he's enjoying the flamboyance of, of, of IndyCar and what it allows him to do as a flamboyant driver. And we saw him being very flamboyant when he uh, made a couple of passes on the weekend, one up against Jimmy oh, Johnson God, yeah. uh, at, the school, at the corkscrew, which was rather... Um, well, how tough is Roman the how, how, how tough is that chassis, though? If that was IndyCar, half the car would have fallen off. Uh, Formula uh, 1, you sorry, mean? Sorry, if that was Formula, Formula 1, one yeah. half the car would have collapsed. Yeah, they are. I mean, they are pretty tough. They're built tough, and, and the amount of contact that they do have is uh, is quite staggering. All righty. Uh, one final thought. I'd really like Scott McLaughlin to win Rookie of the Year. I, I we we have spoken to him before. Really? I don't think you're the only one. Oh no, but it, you know, as 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 Lee quite aptly said, he's gone from rock star. He's gone from the penthouse to the the outhouse, and it's tough when you're used to success three years in a row, and suddenly you're learning a brand new formula. And many people thought it was going to be NASCAR, but it turned out to be IndyCar. And I think that you know that whole change to a different formula where you haven't grown up to it is massive. And NASCAR would have been harder. Oh, I yeah. Been harder. Well, it would have had to go through the whole truck racing, then the Infinity, and it would have been. Yeah. And I and yeah. you got to give credit to the likes of uh, Tim Sindrick and Roger Penske for recognising a sheer talent. It's eight forty-five. This is SENZ Radio. This is Race Control with Murph and Stephen McIver. Coming next, we're going to take a look at all the Kiwis are doing this weekend because it's another busy, busy weekend. Stay with us live. Da, 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 boom, da.
10 to 9 on Race Control, episode number 2 nationwide on SENZ. Trust you're enjoying it. The number is 0800 or text on double eight double three. Got a text in saying, hi guys, uh, great listening. Awesome future for Liam Lawson and Matthew Payne, hopefully, F1 or Indy. Uh, Stephen, next time you're at Manfield, can you sign my shirt? Of course I can, mate. No dramas. Uh, but a slice of heaven uh, in, in New Zealand. Uh, Liam Lawson speaking of him and Marcus Armstrong, Murph. Uh, they're at Sochi this weekend in F2. Marcus Armstrong. What's his future? Uh, I hope he knows, because I certainly don't. Um, yeah, second year in F2. What does it all mean? Um, hasn't hasn't had the year that uh, he would have obviously liked, studying the obvious there big time. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle. I really hope he can finish uh, the season really strongly. Um, he's gone very well at Sochi in the past in F3. Uh, he's, he's had a win there. So, um, yeah, I, I really want to see him have some success. It's just been a really crappy year pretty much for, for young Marcus. Uh, for Liam, he needs to, doesn't need to, but um, expecting that he might have a have a better one this weekend than what he had at Monza. Really unfortunate. Obviously, we called up with him having uh, looked like a piece of rubber uh, activate <laughs> the fire extinguisher while That's... he was just about to put on a charge at Monza the other week. Um, oh. So that was very unfortunate. So you know, he's had he's had a bit of uh, stuff like that go on in twenty twenty one. The one the one thing I love about Liam Lawson, Liam Lawson, he is unafraid to pass on the outside in both F two right? and F two. Well, I've watched, and now you could what round the outside. Go round the outside. Go round the outside. Um, Brendan he passes Le- one car around the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And all of a sudden. Oh, man. Uh, Brendan Leach driving that Liepert uh, Lamborghini in the GT Series. He had a mm. P6 last week. Now they're at the Temple of Speed, uh, Monza this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and this in the GT World and Challenge and Europe Endurance Cup. Really happy for this guy, right? He's even got uh, I think his, his, his sponsors from his uh, TRS yeah. days on there as well. Well, sponsors that have been with him for a very long time, Dale ITM, the the good people there, Deb and Martin, uh, being big supporters of uh, young Brendan. And, um, yeah, he's over in Europe doing his thing and, and uh, carrying on. So good on him. Great to see. And you can catch that. There's, uh, his racing is uh, on uh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Stream. yeah. So I'm assuming GT you, racing, GT three cars. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I do, I do love myself a Lamborghini though. Do oh, you? I do love a Lamborghini. I'd like the Urus though. You know the Urus, the yeah. I was going to say it's more of sort of more of, uh, more of your style. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, Not a Huracan or a, a Vent. Oh, I'd love, well, I've driven a Huracan. They're beautiful, but I do like the Urus because it's one of those cars you go, what's that? Rather yeah, than... it's, and, and much easier for someone of your age to get in and out of as well. Much easier. Let's just be honest. Moment, moment, real of, excitement, moment, moment real of silence, please. <laughs> the real excitement for the weekend is uh, the finale at uh, Long Beach, as we've already hang, discussed. Hang on, hang on, hang on. There's one, there's one other Kiwi driving in an open wheel we can't forget about. Young Ryan Yardley. He's racing in the uh, Formula Regionals this weekend. Did you know the winner of the Formula Regionals gets a scholarship to race in Super Formula in Japan, which Nick Cassidy won one year? Super Formula, you know, you love Super Formula because they sound like real cars. Yeah, well, they're very fast as well. No, good on Ryan. He's a, he is a great young man. He's been doing a lot of mechanicking for uh, uh, the Kiwi team over in um, America there. He was actually helping young Ronan Murphy out when he was racing in F4 last year. So Ron's a actually, great Actually, man speaking of young Ronan, he's back in the uh, Best Bars Twitter 86 Championship this year, right? 
That is going to be huge. So they've got 22 ah, finally. absolutely Good. confirmed cars, confirmed entries for that, 22. And there's only a maximum of 24 uh, spots available. So we know that that championship is um, going to be hard fought and very, very exciting in 2021, well, 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 What we do, and it's a cool series too, although I've, I've tried to drive one with slicks. Not, not, I couldn't handle slicks. Ridiculous. I drove any of the test it's cars. Got ridiculous. Normal, pardon? It's not ridiculous. Well, it's actually it, quite difficult. It's a difficult thing to get used to for someone that's um, you know not 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 hugely experienced on the racetrack. <laughs> Pretty useless. Hey, um, the Cerdic, the South Island Endurance Series goes ahead yep. next weekend, uh, which yeah, is which round. is cool. Delayed. First round delayed again, and we're hoping to yep. be down there maybe for be. round two in Timaru. Yep. Who knows? But that's exciting because that's got a huge field. Yeah, huge fields. Field. There's going to be, I think they've split the one hour. There's yeah, two one hours and the classes. classes. They, yeah, so the yeah. GTs, the the hotshot GTs, go in one can, class. And, and can the, you imagine the, how excited everyone is to actually get um, get that series underway? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great it's effort. So many, so many people. So it's very difficult for everybody though, having to deal with level two with masks and checking in and all that kind well, of. Well, there's one palaver. simple way of getting around this. Just you know, go there's get, no COVID in the South Island. Yeah, uh, just go get the jab. I've been jabbed. You've been jabbed. There's doubles. no COVID in the South Island. All right, we are done for this edition of Race Control. Thanks, Murph. Uh, don't have too much fun in the snow again tomorrow, okay? No, going home tomorrow. Oh, okay, yeah. Go home to your wife and family and be the good dad that you are. We are done. See you next Thursday, 7 through 9. This is Race Control on SNZ. Matawa.